So for the sake of you who are, uh, this is your first time here or like Tony and Beth and they haven't been here through the study, let me just kind of set the stage for what Core 52 is. Core 52 is actually a book that, that some of our, our folks have bought. It basically has the idea of if there were 52 verses that you could learn over the course of a year that would help you understand the rest of the Bible, that would really kind of raise your Bible IQ. That, that's what we're talking about is raising our Bible IQ in 2020. As we look at these 52 core verses that not only help us understand that verse, but help us understand the rest of the Bible. And so we come tonight to talk about the cornerstone. Uh, and and if, you're, if you've got the book, you know that I'm not exactly following uh, letter to letter, the chapter by chapter. But, uh, but nevertheless, I'm using the core verse, Psalm 118.22. It's in your notes there. The stone that the builders rejected has become the what? Cornerstone. And what I want to talk about tonight in these brief minutes is just this concept of the cornerstone that you see in both the Old and the New Testament. The question that is posed in the Core 52 book is a very good question. It's on your notes as well. If Jesus was rejected by his own people, why should I accept him? I thought that was an intriguing question. If Jesus was rejected by his very own people, his fellow Jews, why should I accept him? And so that's where the idea of a cornerstone comes in. The idea of a stone is, is a familiar image of the Messiah. Put that on your notes there, that first blank. The idea of a stone is a familiar image of the Messiah. All through the Bible, by the way, God is referred to as a rock in one form or another. Just read through the Psalms, for example. God is our rock and our refuge. Uh, you'll see that again and again and again. But you will also see not only just the reference to God as a rock, something that's permanent, but also you see this direct reference to God, uh, to God's Messiah as a stone or a cornerstone. Now, take your Bibles. Let's go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, I want you to see this verse in its context. We're going to go through this very quickly. Psalm 118. I don't want to just pull verse 22 out of context, so let's look at it in its context. Psalm 118, verse 22 and 23, let's read that first. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, or some translations say the cornerstone. It's essentially the same word. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. I love that phrase, the Lord has done this. This is not something that man thought up. This is not something that man developed. You need to underline that. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And the more you understand what the Lord has done, the more marvelous it becomes. Now, sandwiched between, or, well, let me show you the context. Psalm 118 is sandwiched between two other psalms. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. Sandwiched between the shortest and the longest psalms is Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is known as, one, as the, the final, by the way, the final Egyptian Hallel psalms. Now you say, well, what in the world is Egyptian Hallel psalms? Well, let me explain it real quickly. We're not going to dig into this, but Psalms uh, 113 through 118, those six psalms. Psalm 113 through 118, 
Hallel means praise or praise Yahweh, praise God. And these psalms, Psalms 113 through 118, were psalms of praise that were often recited as the Jewish pilgrims made their way to Jerusalem. As they made their way to, to Jerusalem for the, for the festivals, they would listen to this. They would recite verbatim Psalms 113 to 118. Now you go ahead and try to learn that this week. So they would recite verbatim Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Now why are they called the Egyptian Hallel or the Egyptian Praise Psalms? Because really these Psalms are about God's deliverance. Specifically, God's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. They also paint the picture of God just delivering his people. But specifically, these psalms are about God's giving them, God giving them freedom from Egyptian slavery. Now, it's interesting, the song or the psalm, of course, the psalms are often known as songs, but the song or the psalm was used as a thanksgiving for national deliverance, especially Psalm 118. It was, it was used as a psalm or a song for national deliverance. Now, look at your notes. There's another blank you need to fill in. As the last song of that liturgy, that is, Psalm 118 is the last in that grouping, Psalm 113 through 118. As the, as the last song of that liturgy, this psalm, this hymn, this song, may have been the hymn that Jesus sung with his disciples at the conclusion of the Last Supper. We don't know that for sure. But we don't have time to look it up. But in Matthew 26, 30, it says that they, at, the, at the end of the supper that they sung a hymn and then they went out. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was arrested. So as he concluded the Last Supper, as he concluded that last final meal with his disciples, it says they sung a hymn and they went out. Have you ever wondered what hymn they sung? I mean, was it like the old rugged cross or... Of course, that one wasn't written. What, what, what did they sing? Wouldn't it be neat if what they actually sang was the song of deliverance about a cornerstone? Psalm 118. About a cornerstone to come. We don't know that for sure, but it is quite possible that when they gathered that last night at the Last Supper, that really what they were singing would be Psalm, what they were reciting or singing together perhaps would have been Psalm 118. Uh, by the way, uh, while you're in Matthew, well, you didn't turn to Matthew, but go to Matthew real quick. Uh, Matthew 21, I, I'm just trying to do this on, you know, speed dial real quick here. Uh, Psalm, I'm sorry, Matthew 21, verse 9. When Jesus entered that final week when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, as he came down the Mount of Olives, down that road, down the Mount of Olives, going into Jerusalem. Let's, let's read a very large, verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. And one of the things we've talked about in, previously in these nights is this concept of Son of David. So they were shouting, one of the things that they were shouting, Hosanna, save now to the son of David. Notice the very next thing they were saying. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, would you run back real quickly to Psalm 118? Psalm 118. And would you look at verse 
26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. So they, they, they weren't just making something up. When Jesus came into Jerusalem that day and they were praising Him, they were quoting Scripture. They were singing songs of praise. And one of the things that they were quoting was something from Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now the reason I spent a little time there with that is because, look on your notes, clearly Psalm 118 has messianic implications. Clearly it has messianic Implications. That's why we need to dig into Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. Now let me give you a little background on this idea of a capstone or cornerstone. Follow your notes there. First of all, in relation to architecture, I'm not talking from a biblical standpoint right now. In relation to architecture, a cornerstone is traditionally the first stone. Put that on your notes. Traditionally, it is the first stone laid for a structure with all the other stones laid in reference to that first stone. We could preach on that right there. The first stone upon which the rest of the building was built. The first stone was the strategic stone. It was the most important stone. It was the cornerstone. <clears throat> it was the cornerstone where two walls met. And ultimately, Jesus is the cornerstone where two walls meet, Jew and Gentile. You get in the book of Ephesians, you'll see that concept. Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone between Jew and Gentile. So the cornerstone is that first stone that is so important to the rest of the building. Look on your notes. A cornerstone marks the geographical location by orienting a building in a specific direction. A cornerstone will sometimes be referred to as a foundation stone. In ancient times, now in, in today's time, a cornerstone is more symbolic. We, we have a cornerstone back here from, from one of our previous buildings. And they saved it. It's really just a slab of granite. But it's, it's more symbolic in today's time. Cornerstones are symbolic today, the way we build buildings. But in that day, the cornerstone was not a symbolic stone. The, the cornerstone was the most strategic stone because it determined what the rest of the building would be like. It determined the angles and so forth. And so watch this. Because it was so strategic, the builders in that day who would go to the rock quarry, rock quarry and they would cut stones and look for stones... Sometimes they would reject a stone because it, didn't quite, it wasn't quite straight. It didn't quite have the right angles. And so they would go through the stones looking for the perfect stone to serve as the cornerstone because that was the most strategic stone of the building. And as they're looking for the perfect stone, they would reject a lot of stones looking for that perfect one. Now, Remember, whoa, remember what that key verse says? The stone that the builders, what? Rejected. The stone that the builders rejected, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, let's dig into the Old Testament a little bit more. Go over to the right and find the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, also spoke about this concept of a stone. Isaiah chapter 8. 
Isaiah chapter 8. It's interesting what the prophet Isaiah says here. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13 to 14. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary for both houses of Israel. Both houses of Israel meaning both Israel and Judah. When the kingdom split, uh, Israel split, there were two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And this is what he's talking about here. He will be a sanctuary, but for both houses of Israel, he will be, watch this, he will be a stone that causes men to, what? Stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. And the people of Jerusalem will be a trap and a snare. He will be a stone... Bible says, that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So here Isaiah is talking about this concept of Jesus or Messiah as a stone, but now it's not a cornerstone upon which the building is built, a strategic stone, the first stone. Now it's a stone of stumbling, a stone that makes people fall. Put this on your notes in the blank there. Here, here's what you need to understand. Either the Lord is the cornerstone of our lives, or He is a rock over which we fall. Can I get an amen there? That's exactly what Tony and Beth are doing in, in Cleveland. They're helping people to understand Jesus is the foundation upon which you build your life. But what they're finding out also is the same thing we find out here, is that some people say, no, I can't accept that. And Jesus is, becomes not the foundation of their life. Jesus becomes the, the rock over which they fall. I mean, I've had people say to me, I just don't get this Jesus stuff. I don't, understand, I don't believe in all this Jesus stuff. I'm a spiritual person, but, but I just don't buy into all of this Jesus stuff, that he was really a, the son of God, or he was virgin born, that he was God in flesh. I, I can't accept that. You know what's happening? The rock that could be the foundation of their lives has become the rock upon which they stumble and fall. Isaiah talks about this in another place. Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. I love this scripture. You need to get your pen ready on this one. Isaiah 28, verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. What a beautiful picture. Saying, God is saying, I, I have laid a stone in Zion, and God refers to it as a tested stone. May I remind you that when Jesus began his ministry, he was tested in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Not only is it a tested stone, but a precious cornerstone. I believe that is a reference to his sacrifice. Peter says we've not been redeemed by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation and the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Messiah 
Jesus was a tested stone and a precious stone upon which we can build our lives and upon which the church was founded. Now, we're out of time, so next week we're going to talk about how you see this concept revealed in the New Testament. Because what you, what you will see throughout the New Testament, what you will see is this concept of, of Jesus, watch this, being either the cornerstone or being the stone of, over which we stumble and fall. And what you'll find in the New Testament is again and again and again and again, Psalm 118, verse 22 is quoted throughout the New Testament. And Isaiah, those two passages in Isaiah are quoted throughout the New Testament. So next week, we'll, 